Welcome back guys to the Entrepreneur's Corner. I'm your host, Raji Husni, and just to let you guys know, we are actually on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast players. I'll leave the links down in the description. And today's episode, I will be interviewing... Moeen Sharif. All right. So, uh, Moeen, why don't you go ahead and uh, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and explaining a little bit of background about what you do. Okay. So, my name is Moeen, like I said. Right now, I'm a third-year electrical engineering student at Wayne State University, mm-hmm. where we both go. Mm-hmm. Um... Right now, I'm the president of a club called the Google Developer Student Club, I which see. is something that That's I just cool. uh, I just started a couple months ago. And I would say I'm an entrepreneur. I do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Some things I spend a little more time on, but um, I've tried a lot of side hustles in the past and had some success with some. Some failed. Yeah. You know, so I'm here to just talk about my experiences and uh, give some advice. I see. Okay. Okay. So you said you're an entrepreneur. Why don't you, can you give me a little bit of an explanation of what you think an entrepreneur is? I would say an entrepreneur is someone that wants to work for themselves towards a greater good. 100%. Uh, for example, if you're starting your own business, uh, even starting your own podcast, it doesn't even have to be something that you have to monetize necessarily, mm-hmm. but just something that you're working towards by yourself for a greater purpose. Definitely, definitely. I definitely agree with you on something like that. Um, so back again to you said that you tried a lot of side hustles. Do you want to go into a little bit of... Tell us about what kind of side hustles you tried, what worked for you, what didn't work for you, and like the struggles you had. Yeah, sure. So my first ever job per se was a soccer referee, okay. actually. So one of my coaches actually put me uh, through a course where you can start refing soccer games. So mm-hmm. you go on this one website, you put your availability, and they call you in. So I made I made decent money doing that, but that was my first ever job uh, in grade nine. I think that's when I started. And then... In grade 10, 11, and 12, that's when my business mind really started to grow. Definitely. And I actually tried, I started doing things for myself. Like, I was still working a part-time job at a warehouse mm-hmm. um, for the past two years. Um, not anymore, but that's what I was doing throughout high school and first-year uni. Mm-hmm. But I did try, uh, like, a lot of side hustles during that time period. I see. For example, in the winter, I'd be out shoveling snow from snow the driveways. driveways and stuff right? like that. Um, over time, that grew, and now I have clients where I don't have to door knock anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, in the summer... I tried landscaping, you know, mowing people's lawns. That didn't really work out that well for me. So then this year, I tried pressure washing. I mm-hmm. found some success doing that. And then I also, during COVID, when the gyms were closed, I started flipping weights. Um, first, it started because I wanted to build my own home gym, right? And then when I found um, when I found that there is money to be made doing that, for example, if you find a good deal, you flip it, you make some money, yeah. and then you, have, you can buy another, another machine, for example. Um, after that, when I saw the money that could be made, I scaled it upwards and I started making bulk orders from sites like Alibaba mm-hmm. uh, where you get a, you have to make uh, like an order of a specific quantity yeah, and then they ship it to you and then you have to sell them individually um, at that point. Definitely, so, definitely. Um, for uh, going back to your um, experience with the door-to-door knocking stuff, um, you have a couple of experiences with that kind of stuff, right? With your landscaping, your mm-hmm. your snow shoveling and your power washing. Um out of these three things, which one did you find the most success in? The most success I found was in my power washing business, hundred mm-hmm. percent. What 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 made your power washing? What made you stand out from other power washing companies? Would you say? Um, I would say what made us stand out, uh, first of all, is that these big companies sometimes they just um, they rely on referrals. Yes. Okay. These big companies are not going door to door and knocking. These these they reply they rely on like Facebook ads, for example. 
uh, word of mouth, people that have used them before and they're referring them to their friends or their neighbors. Mm-hmm. So we were actually out there going door to door and basically trying to sell our service. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, um, obviously we have to make sure our reputation is good on the street as well. 100%. Because if we're knocking on a door and we're telling them that we're doing your neighbor's house, if they ask their neighbor about us, if they have nothing good to say, then they're not going to take the job with us. Yeah. You know, so uh, that's, that's one thing that you have to keep in mind. Another thing is that with power washing, um, I would say that I had a lot more drive doing it because it's something that I actually put a lot of research into and it's something that I really wanted to do. With landscaping and, and mowing lawns, it's some, just something that I was like, hey, why not make some money on why the side? Like, let me try it. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have a good script. I didn't look professional. Definitely. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I improved on in my power washing business from my experiences. You got, you, yeah, you got to learn from your experiences in the, the other uh, the other door-to-door knockings, things that you did with the, the landscaping, stuff like that, because you realize like, hey, maybe I can do this differently or I can maybe make company shirts or however you've marketed yourself differently, right? Yep, like exactly. you said. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, uh, is it expensive getting into power washing for people to, just for the general like people watching if they ever wanted to get into their own pressure washing business is it like an expensive business to start um it's not a very expensive business obviously people have different definitions of the word expensive definitely for some people a thousand dollars is a lot to start a business for some people you know ten thousand would be a lot yeah uh for me how much did it cost you to start your business if you don't mind us asking yeah for sure so the first thing i did was look for a good pressure washer mm-hmm. right you need something with a high um high gpm and a high psi as well yeah. just to make sure it gets all the stains out Definitely. something that's reliable you look at the reviews you see which ones work which ones break down after two weeks yeah you know what i mean so i ended up finding a really good one at costco for i believe 550 yeah and the thing about costco is they have a really good amazing return policy and that's exactly why i bought yeah. it from there i could have bought it for another from another place for cheaper but i know with costco if anything happens to the pressure washer which they, it did yeah you can return it right away they'll replace it for Re- you replace you it give you your money back Funny story, actually, it did break down on us once. You know the the thing that you pulled to get it started? Yeah. That thing came off, right? And we oh couldn't get God. it back on. So we went and we replaced it and we found out that it was on sale. Oh, really? So, so we ended up getting another $100 uh, off the pressure washer after we returned it. So you got, you got the price adjustment back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah they have a really good, good return policy. Definitely. I know people that return things after years, yeah. even without a receipt. No, definitely. As long as you bought it from Costco definitely. and you have a membership. Because they, they, um, they have that very good customer service and that's what brings a lot of customers back to them, right? Mm-hmm. That's, exactly. Uh, it goes for any business. If you want your business to stand out and be better, if you show that you have very good customer service and you show your customers like, hey, like... If something is wrong, we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. They're they're bound to come back just like us. We go to Costco because we know they have a great customer service and they're really good. They're really good with their returns. They're really good with their price adjustments. Like you said, like you found it, it was a hundred dollars cheaper. They gave you the hundred dollars back. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's a good thing on them. Um, so like going back into the pressure washing, like what uh, what really got you going on to pressure washing? Like what made you want to go into it? Uh, what was well, the biggest thing for you? Well, one of my friends actually inspired me to do it. His name's Usama. He does window cleaning. I see. Okay. So me and my friend Jawad, my business partner, we were talking to him about window cleaning and other side hustles that we could try. Mm-hmm. And he told us that there is money to be made in pressure washing, especially in the summer, especially when the sun's out. People people want to um, do renovations for their house, make it look nicer. Definitely. When the real estate market's hot, people want to make their make their driveway look better. The first thing you go uh, when see, you go to a house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's something that we would say uh, in our script, especially if a house is for sale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially in, uh, in our market here in Windsor, we got a lot of, uh, yep. at the time in the summer, it was, it was a very hot real estate market. And so mm-hmm. you guys had a good, uh, like a good amount of people you can advertise to and market towards. 
Yeah, even right. even when we started it, the real estate market was actually cooling down. Yeah. You know how recently it was down maybe 20% in the last three months? Yeah. So we would we would use that. If you want to raise the value of your home to kind of balance out from from the, the from the from the, the drop increase, uh, yeah. the drop in price, then something that adds value to your home is pressure washing your driveway, making definitely, it look good. Definitely. Doing your windows, for example. Yeah, and having Joad, Joad is a real estate agent too, so he knows Exactly, yeah, so he knows right? he knows all about it. So yeah, uh, definitely. So that's something that he would say in the script as well. Definitely. He, he that was a smart uh, thing to like a smart spin on to put on there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. But going going back to how much it costs, the so the pressure washer after 550, we returned it. It ended up being 450, mm-hmm. right? Um, the surface cleaner, which is something that you attach to the pressure wash, it's like a big round disc yeah. with uh, with brushes inside that that basically rotate really fast yeah. while you're using it. So you, it's not like you're going around with the gun and just um, yeah, just going like inch by inch because that so, would take you days. Exactly. Yeah. And some people, that's what they do when you're knocking on their door. They tell you, "Yeah, I have my own, I have my own pressure washer." Okay, first of all, the, the PSI is not even enough to get the to get all the dirt out, and they don't have the surface cleaner, so they're there for two three days. 100%. Trying to get everything out. Yeah, it's like no, definitely. You know? uh, for did you, for how did you guys like do your research for your your business? Because getting into mm-hmm. something, you obviously need to know what you're doing before you get into it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Pressure washing is like I feel like uh, it's a weird kind of topic because you have to see what kind of chemicals you can use mm-hmm. and what are better chemicals to use, what pressure washer tips you should use yep. and what where you shouldn't use these tips and how like you know. So where did you guys do your research and how did you guys do like learn? this kind of information yeah. to add on to that even the type of concrete that you can use different chemicals on yeah um and different type of concrete that that you can even pressure wash to see a difference exactly for, for some so much things you have to like go out and research yeah but to answer your question it was mostly through youtube and other pressure washing podcasts um, i'm sure you've seen the tiktoks the youtube yeah, videos yeah. about people pressuring starting the pressure washing business but not a lot of people actually take that advice and go do it 100 percent. you know what i mean and i used to see those videos all the time like, i've been watching them for years yeah, yeah. oh it's interesting you know, but when you actually put your mind to it and do it, that's when you see the you'll results. You'll never learn how to do something until you go and actually try it. You can watch a million videos and you will still be like, it won't do anything to you. You exactly. have to go and try it. Like I could have done like three months of research, got everything in order. Yeah. We we got everything uh, started within the first 10 days. You know what I mean? We sat down. We did a lot of research. Uh, we got the business cards ready. We printed our flyers. I made t-shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to look professional when you're yeah. going door to door. Did you did you buy your t-shirts from a website or did you make them like did you get them locally made or how were the t-shirts made? T-shirts made. I actually make them myself uh, in my basement. So I have a heat press. I see. Okay. Um, and I have a machine that cuts the vinyl. It's called a Cricut. Yeah. So basically, you print out the design. We had to make a logo. Uh, we called a company Pressure Pros. Right. right we had a nice cool. logo uh, yeah. with a gun and some water coming out. Mm-hmm. So we made that design and we printed it onto some some plain black t-shirts. I see. Um, make and yourself then, look a little bit professional exactly yeah because you can't you can't be going door to door looking uh, yeah, you know yeah. looking unprofessional no, people are not going to take you seriously definitely definitely um, if they see you wearing like something like your business with pressure pros right if you see someone wearing something like that you're going to be like oh maybe these guys are actually legit mm-hmm. let me give them a shot exactly you know? yeah when, especially when they see you're working for a company with a name so I'm just going in a, in a polo shirt saying oh I'm the, I'm the friendly neighborhood kid coming around pressure washing driveways for 50 100 bucks yeah sure that would work only if you if you drop your prices a lot um, you know what I mean? Like some, some people, they go around and they just, they, they pick a street with smaller driveways and they, uh, they charge 50 to hundred per driveway. Um, just cause they don't have a name, they don't have a good reputation. And they're still and trying to get that experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For you guys, um, pressure washing, uh, like it was, uh, would you say it's something like you guys are still doing it or are you guys like taking a little bit of pause because of the weather? Uh, so we started, I believe in June, uh, May, June, around that time. 
So we, we went hard for a month and a half, two months straight. And then I went to Jordan. So Jawad continued the business while I was gone. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back, it's really cold. So a lot of people even like, because the winter's coming up, they turn their water off. Yeah. So a lot of people don't, like they don't even have access to their hose. Yeah. So right now it is a seasonal business. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so right now we're taking a little bit of a break, seeing what I can do in the winter. Yeah. And uh, just trying to focus on that right now. No, definitely, definitely. Um, so you said that you did a, you have some like experience with Alibaba and um, ordering from mm-hmm. them and stuff like that. Do you want to go over and talk about like what your experience was like with them? Yeah, sure. So I'll, t- I'll take you back to the beginning. Okay. When, when, it, when it all first started. All right, let's right? hear it. I'm sure you remember in 2020 when the gyms first closed. Yeah. Right? That was something that a lot of people took a hit mentally, Very physically. It was a hard time, time for yeah. a lot of people, including me. Yeah. You, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone watching can relate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I got a couple of my boys together and we started to work out in my garage. All I had was a couple of dumbbells, resistance bands. Mm-hmm. You know, we were working with what we had. You got, you got to right? make it work somehow, right? Exactly. And then slowly, like little by little, we started getting more and more equipment, but we didn't want to spend money out of pocket because it gets expensive. It does. Especially when the gym's closed. Prices, uh, prices went up. Yeah, bro. Right? I remember people selling like dumbbells for like a hundred bucks, thirty pound bro, dumbbells, was, just a single dumbbell. Yeah, bro, it's crazy. And I'm like, yo, that's nuts. Like before the pandemic, they were selling for maybe one dollar a pound yeah, max. Yeah. Two, three, four dollars a pound sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people were buying it, which is why the prices stayed that high. Um, so what I did, the first thing I sold was an eight pound kettlebell that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, we don't even use it. Might as well, might as well make some money off it. I posted on on Marketplace for I think fifteen bucks. The next day, some guy came and bought it. Yeah, and and not, not only that, but I was getting a lot of messages for it. I was like, bro, if people want this kettlebell. They're probably gonna want some other things. Yeah. So I went on Kijiji. I went on Marketplace. I started looking for deals. Okay. So, right, right, like at the time, the the market price was two dollars a pound. If I found something, for example, for one point five one dollar a pound, I'd go. I'd meet the guy, send him an offer. Um, a, a lot of the times, I used to just buy it straight up because. Because those deals go quick. Yeah, you know what I mean, you send him an offer. Next thing you know, he sold it. He sells it. He sold it. Sells it to someone else. So what happened was we we did that, and then I would just find the deals, flip them, and then use that money to get better equipment for my setup at home. Definitely. So over time, fast forward maybe three, four months, and this was all on Kijiji, by the way, mm-hmm. right? I, I discovered marketplace. Yeah. Right? Marketplace is a whole new ball game. Definitely. I remember one time I I bought this maybe three hundred dollar machine. Had leg extension, a, bu- a bunch of different um, components to the machine. I posted it on Kijiji. I got maybe two, three messages. Yeah. One of my boys told me to post it on Marketplace and post it in the groups in Marketplace because you can post it in, uh, in up to 20 groups, I think. Groups and Marketplace is a very underrated way of selling your items. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It gets a lot more views that way. Definitely. So I put it on there within the first hour, 20 messages. That it's next crazy, day it was yeah. sold. You know what I mean? So when I got on Marketplace, the game changed, bro. Yeah, it's literally it. a big game changer for you. You were able to find better deals and sell your items for more money and access to more. Like, I feel like Kijiji and Craigslist and all these other, like, platforms to sell on, mm-hmm. they're not as, like, when you think, well, like, personally, when I think of, like, uh, reselling or something like that or someone going to buy a used item or something like that, you think of, like, Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. Because you open Facebook you're in the middle there's a little marketplace you click on it yep. it's so easy to just go into right and then just use it and see all the items that are there so it's like it really opens your opportunity so much more than just using these other platforms yeah right? I, I didn't even know it was a thing like i'm not yeah. a facebook guy right i yeah, didn't use yeah. facebook before this but when somebody told me about marketplace man like definitely, it exploded yeah. definitely, it exploded definitely. especially over COVID, and, it was and i thought kijiji was hot when i went on marketplace yeah. 10 times better 100%, man. yeah yeah but yeah so 
I did that for a long time. Coincidentally, one of the deals that I so in my in my setup, we had you know how you have the the bar, the two inch bar, right? Like the diameter of the place that the you place, put in the bar. Yeah. We had all one inch stuff. Okay, on a one inch bar, you can't fit that much weight. You yeah. know, as our lifts were were improving, mm-hmm. like we need to switch to to two inch, so we can add more weight on the bar. So it's actually like Olymp- Olympic Olympic uh, style bar, like the forty five pound ones. Yeah. Um. So I met this one guy that was going to sell me a bar. It was an Albanian guy, right? Yeah. And he saw my other listings, so he kind of knew what I was doing. And then this guy kind of became my mentor, like uh. random. I met this random guy. Like he had he had like a fake name on marketplace, like. Yeah. Uh, people like mark or something yeah. he, like he was actually an albanian guy with a different name right so he saw me he kind of liked me he's like you know what kid i'm gonna help you out you know what i mean so we started messaging back and forth a really important thing in business not all the time but most of the time it's best to have a mentor yes no definitely yeah. right so he, he was you men- can learn you can learn the thing is with mentors you learn so much because they've already been through a lot of things that you probably didn't even experience yet exactly right? yeah so you can take from their lessons and they will teach you and they will tell you hey don't make this mistake it's going to cost you a lot of money. I made that mistake. Do this instead. Right? Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, what, you know what he told me? I actually didn't end up buying the bar from him because he told me not to buy it. Yeah. He's like, listen, man, if you're going to, to buy an Olympic bar, where's your Olympic plates? I was like, I don't have any. I was just going to buy the bar first. Yeah. He's like, bro, what are you doing, man? Exactly. Like, like he actually told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. No, definitely. You know what I mean? So he, he used to tell me like, yo, the, the York plates suffer this much. The cap plates suffer that much. 1.5. You have the plastic plates, the metal plates. Like there's a bunch of different factors that played into it, but he helped me a lot throughout that time. Definitely. And then after that, once once I like once my setup was was uh, was a lot better than what it, what it used to be, it was time for, to get like a power rack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I went on marketplace. I started looking. I found this really nice power rack, pull-up bar, high and low pulley system. You can do whatever you, you basically like a, a full workout station, right? So we say like we we kept on flipping until we got seven hundred dollars, seven hundred fifty actually to buy the the power rack. Mm-hmm. And then when I bought it from the guy, I went inside and I saw that he had like six or seven of them. I was like, how many did you have? He's like, I had a lot more. Like I sold so many. Yeah. I was like, yo, where did this guy even get them from? Like, like it piqued my curiosity. Yeah. Right. So he didn't tell me where, like he, he was kind of gatekeeping, which, which I understand. Right. Cause, cause he wants to make the money. Like it's just some random kid trying to buy it from him. So he doesn't really owe me anything. Right. Yeah. He was just trying to make the sale and, and move on with his day. Oh, definitely. So I went home and while building the power rack, I actually found the name of the company on the, on the manual. Right, so I reached out to that company through their website, to which they sent me an Alibaba link to to go and look at their other products and and uh, talk to them through there, which helped me make the bulk uh, like a bulk order of those same power racks. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, that's ba- that's basically how it started. Once I did that, like there's a lot of logistics that that go into it, which we can talk about um, yeah more if you'd like. Definitely, yeah. If you want to go on and talk a little bit of logistics and how it is, how it was for you. Because we live in a small city, right? We live in Windsor, right? And um, that kind of stuff, you can't just ship it in the mail, right? Exactly. So right, it has right, to right. come through, like, by... Uh, that, that stuff is not coming through plane. It's coming by, by boat, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to a shipping port, and then from a shipping port to a railroad and stuff like that. And then here in Windsor, we don't... I don't know if we have any, like, ship... Like, railroad stations where you can go pick up your items, right? We don't know. Exactly. No. So if you want to go and talk about like what 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 did, what the process was you, for you to even pick up your stuff, like, uh yeah. So before that, even to make the order, it was a lot of back and forth. Maybe a month or two of just negotiating pricing. Yeah. Seeing what best style of, of power racks to get. We ended up getting that same one that I bought from the guy mm-hmm. because I knew that the quality well, would be yeah, good. Yeah, definitely. A lot of the times with these suppliers, you don't know if the quality is going to be good, especially if you're buying a machine. Yeah. 
you can't order like a sample like you don't know what's yeah, going on exactly the they're not going to send you a sample yeah the only thing you know is legit maybe it might be plates because like, you, yeah. can, you can't really mess that up you right? can't mess that up yeah, um, it's kind of hard but when you're talking about machines things with pulley systems things that you have to, you have to assemble yourself you don't know so i ended up getting that same power rack that i bought from the guy just because the price was so good and because i knew it was i knew the quality was good like it was reliable right so i ended up making that order um i think the order itself was five thousand mm-hmm. dollars we got 25 power racks me and my partner okay and then after after that after we paid and everything like after we got the price out of the way we're like okay five thousand it's nothing you know what i mean the yeah. margins are good then he started talking about the shipping cost. Ah, uh, okay. So he right. got you there, yeah. <laughs> he got us a lot you of times. You think about that. Like, it's Bro, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's your first time. You don't know what to expect. Like, you have no experience with these things. Definitely. Okay? $4,000 shipping. Oh, my God. $4,000, bro. Yeah. My mind was, I was like, what? Bro, Literally like 4000 Yeah. I was like, oh, like, I mean, like, I mean, they're heavy, obviously. It's, it's metal. It's all heavy, heavy equipment. That's the thing. Yeah. But, like, I had no idea, right? So I was like, okay, whatever. There's nothing you could do about the shipping cost. Like you can try like before that we already negotiated the price of the power racks themselves, but you can't negotiate the shipping price because that's the shipping company that yeah, um, yeah. that signs that. Like they have, it's they the can't com- really do anything. Yeah, about they can't that, really right? do anything. But the, because it's, the the thing is, it's going overseas through a train to a like a, a port mm-hmm. to to a shipping distribution center. Yeah, and then you gotta go pick it up. They can't negotiate. They can't cut down the fees on that, right? Yeah, there's right? a lot that goes into it, right? Yeah, yeah. So we did that. All of a sudden, this guy asked us, "Do you have an agent?" I was like, agent for what, bro? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'm just making the orders coming to my house. Yeah. Turns out there's a lot more to it than I thought. So the agent actually helps you pay the import tax. Because on, on top of the $4,000 shipping, import tax, you got to pay 13%. Tax, yeah. Yeah. If you're not a business, you're paying 13%. If you're doing it under business name, it's five, I think. Yeah. Okay. But for a business, you have to get it registered and it's a process. I was trying to get these in things. ASAP. Yeah. Right. I was like, whatever. It's, it's, it's worth it at the end of the day to pay that, um, to pay that 13%. And it's something that you have to do. Definitely. On top of that, you have to pay the agent fee. Definitely. 100 to open an account another 150 for his services yeah you know he, he makes sure your thing gets there on time he makes sure the shipping the shipping is taken care of he makes sure the import tax is paid uh you know they take care of a lot of the, of the logistics for you so you don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. and if anything goes wrong it's on them so they're held responsible it's not yeah. you um so yeah so basically I, I like i said i ordered 25 the nearest port right now is detroit but Detroit, first of all, was closed. The border was closed. You can't cross. Not only that, you got all the, the hassle of just bringing the, the, the logistics of bringing the stuff from Detroit to here. It's a big headache. Bro, right? Yeah, Even like bringing it across the border, there's no way. Like You probably have to pay more tax more over there, tax there on top of that. Here. Yeah, yeah. It's so much headache. You know what I mean? So we did that. We got a shift. The nearest port is in Toronto. Uh, Vancouver actually is the nearest port, but their warehouse, that company, the shipping company, was in Toronto. So it, it got on a ship to go from China right to vancouver and then from vancouver is supposed to go on a rail car to toronto where we go and pick it up mm-hmm. or they they deliver it to us which was like a thousand five hundred dollars i was like there's it's, it's, it's there's like, no way yeah. yeah there's no way i was like at that point like i'm i'm losing money exactly <laughs> you know what i mean so um i sold the i, I posted them on marketplace in toronto london and windsor mm-hmm. okay so toronto even even sarnia too like all the cities that I saw on the way back from Toronto to Windsor. Yeah. Because my thought process was, I'm going to get it there. And then on the way back that same day, I'm going to make stop to drop it off in Toronto where I got it. London, Sarnia, Chatham, then here. Yeah. So I posted it in those, in those three places. And then what ended up happening was I sold all of them before I got there. Okay. Before the shipping got there. So I was hyped. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, like it's basically done. All I have to do now is deliver. So 
they promised me that the shipment was going to come in 40 to 50 days. I was like, okay, I can wait. I can wait 40, 50 days. So when I used to post it, people used to ask me, okay, do you have it? I'm like, no, this is a pre-order. So you're going to get it in four or five weeks approximately. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not four or five weeks. Sorry, a month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> a month and a half. So after that, bro, the shipping company, they started coming up with some crazy excuses. Yeah. Right? No, it's crazy. They, what these guys will say, what these guys will do to, to like delay the, the process because they know it's going to take a long time. They just... Yeah, they just don't tell you, bro. Yeah. And the supplier is just listening to them. So to him, like if you can tell the client that it's coming in 40, 50 days, it's good for him because he's going to make that sale. You know what I mean? He's not going to he's not gonna tell you that it's going to take four or five months. <laughs> uh, so it ended up, like it was on the way. All of a sudden, there was a typhoon somewhere, somewhere in that area. They had to yeah. dock the ship for an extra month. Yeah. I was like, and like, there's this app where you can, you can track the ship called like marine traffic.com uh-huh. or something like that. You can track the ship. So I, te- I, I sent him a text on WhatsApp. I was like, what's going on? Why is the ship docked? Yeah. Yeah. Typhoon, hurricane. So they gave me these, <laughs> it took us a long time to produce it. Yeah. No gas in the ship. I was like, what do you mean? No gas in no the ship, gas bro? In the ship. <laughs> like, what do you mean, bro? <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then we did that. That was an extra month. When it finally got to Vancouver, it was, it was supposed to get on a rail car that same week and to, to go to Toronto, like maybe a day a day or two after that. So I was like, okay, I started getting ready, prepping myself. I was going to go book a U-Haul. All of a sudden, there was a fire on the railroad. Yeah. On, like the, on no the tracks way. that it was supposed no to be way. on. No way. No way. like, bro, no way. Like I'm, prom- I'm promising these guys <laughs> that the shipment is going to come in. Yeah. And now like everything, like Your everything's going wrong. just absolutely, oh my God. Like whatever, alhamdulillah, bro. We'll, wait, we'll wait, a couple, wait a couple weeks. Yeah. Took them an extra month to get it all, oh get it all situated. And then it came to Toronto. They gave me a one day notice before the thing came in. Like, yo, it's coming in tomorrow. Come get it. It's like, yo, what? <laughs> Very <laughs> unprofessional. Like, yeah. I was yeah. like, bro, like, okay. Like, I would have liked some more notice, but they gave me a range. But that range was like two months ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, had no, I didn't have an updated time of when it was going to come in. So that next day, I got in my car and I, I got my boy's van. We, we booked a U-Haul from this random city. Because what U-Haul does is, is they rent out their trucks to like these gas stations and shops like across the country. Yeah. And those shops can rent out the U-Haul for you to take it and drop it off in any other U-Haul location, like the U-Haul store. For example, for us, like we just dropped, we got it and we dropped it off in the U-Haul store that we have in Windsor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we went. Like we thought we were good, right? From here to Toronto is what? Three, four hours? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something it was, it was like Brampton, that. actually. Yeah. So right outside of Toronto. So like about four hours. Yeah, it's about four hours. We got there, we got out of there at nine. We left the house at nine. We're like, okay, we're going to get the U-Haul. The U-Haul was like an hour and a half out from Toronto. So it added an extra hour and a half to our trip. So we're going to get there one... I was like, okay, so we'll get there 2.30. Okay. We went, we got the U-Haul. Everything was going smooth. Filled gas a couple times for the U-Haul. Um, and it gets expensive, bro. People don't understand. Oh, yeah. Like a U-Haul from here to Toronto and back. Yeah. Bro. You're dropping money on gas. Yeah. Because they, they market they market it really well. They're like, yeah, yeah 20 bucks. The truck yeah, is yours. Today, just yeah. fill the gas. Yeah, just fill the gas. Then, like, you're, yo. then you're paying per kilometer. Mm-hmm. You're driving, making deliveries. Definitely. So, they get you. They, they're like, you know what? Come here. Get the $20 get a twenty dollar truck. You're gonna put all those kilometers on. You gotta pay a certain amount of money. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, you got the gas to pay too. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh. And you have to man. make sure the gas is exactly how they left it, or they charge you a crazy amount. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we got that on the way to Toronto. There was first of all, there's an accident on the 401, oh my which god. is the highway from here to Toronto. Oh my god. They laid us an extra thirty minutes. I was like, okay, we'll get there at three. It doesn't matter. The place closes at five. I called them. I was like, like when's when's the latest I can come? They're like, we close at five. As long as you come before five, you're good. Okay. I called them a million times just to double check that one point because yeah, I knew yeah. like, like you know, something might happen. Something might happen. They might close a little bit we earlier. Went, we got, we were an hour away from the thing. All of a sudden, sirens. I'm like, oh, here oh, we go. Oh my god. There was some some guy stole a car, 
there was a police chase in Brampton on the highway. Four, oh, five, six, seven cop cars <laughs> chasing this guy. And we had to stop, obviously. You, yeah. can't, you can't drive. Yeah. So, bro, I was in the, I was in the U-Haul going like this, man. Like, yo, like, like what yeah. am I going to do? Like, because it was a Friday. Okay. So, so you we, missed it on Friday. They're closed for the weekend too, right? They're not open on the oh weekend. Oh, my God. They're like, the next time you can come, Monday. I was like, there's no way. You're I about to go this, back to Windsor? Pay the U-Haul, pay all that. I'm going to go back to Windsor empty-handed. All those guys that I promised I'm going to deliver it. They're not going to get it. Yeah. So I was like, man, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went. We got there. Maybe like 4.55. Rush into the store. I asked the lady. I was like, please, like, like, let me, like, like, what can I do? Like, I'm here. Like, I called you guys on the phone earlier. I let you know I'm going to be late. She's like, yeah, you let me know you're going to be late, but not this late. I started explaining to her the situation. Yeah. She's like, you know what? Just get it done quickly. I was like, yeah, don't worry. Five minutes, I'll be in and out. Yeah. You know, by five, we'll be out of here. <laughs> right? We ended, up, we ended up staying for like 20, 30 minutes. But like, I mean, they, they were cool about it. You know, like they, they knew uh, the situation. Yeah. So we ended up getting that. They kind of understood like what was going on. Like it must have been like really stressful for you. So they're like, you know what? Like we're going to let it slide. We'll help them out. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. So we loaded the U-Haul. We started going on the way back to deliver. The people that we were delivering to, because we told them we're going to be at their house at around like six, seven. It was already 5.30 by the time like we were done the thing. So yeah. there's no way we we're going to be at their house. But our latest delivery, I think we got at their house at 11.30. Holy. And guess what? It took another hour for the e-transfer to go through. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were at their house till <laughs> maybe like, what time did I say 11.30? Yeah, we were at their house at like 12.30 in London. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, we made like the, the one in, in Toronto. Like the guy didn't want it anymore. He's like, yeah, it took too long. Two guys in London said the same thing. So, we dropped off three in London. And then that's it. I had, bro, I had 10 sold that day because it took so long to get in. Uh, peop- I mean. You, you already pre-sold them, right? Yeah, I pre-sold all 25. Yeah. Right, so I thought but I was then people canceled their orders. Over time, people over started, time. I started calling them like, hey, it's coming in next week. Uh, you know, like, are, are we still good? Yeah. Like, you know what? No, I bought another one. Like, I, it was a little more expensive, but they, they gave it to me on time. I felt so bad. I was yeah, like, because I'm promising these people, but they, like, it was out of my control. Out of your control. Things like that, it's always the worst because you always want, as a business or anything, right? Like, especially as a business, you want to make sure you're you're keeping your like time management skills on par with like with with everything right you want to be there and mm-hmm. provide the customer you tell them a date it gets done that date and then when something happens wrong it's like damn like i don't know if i can trust these guys anymore maybe exactly. they're not gonna deliver the product anymore and it's yep. just like you know what i'm gonna cancel my order and it gets really frustrating as a business owner when you're ordering things from overseas and that kind of stuff happens right exactly yeah. and, and i would update the customers i'll tell them yeah like the, the shipping the shipping is taking longer than expected it might take an extra two, three weeks. Then it takes an extra month. Then it takes another month. Yeah. So like I'm trying, I'm trying to hold on to the customer, let them know. Like I'm keeping them updated. Like I'm, I'm being honest with them. But like, at, at a certain point, if I was waiting two, three months for a power rack, I'm not gonna want it. A hundred percent. Like I understand yeah, where they're coming from. I would have paid a little bit extra and just got another one. Exactly, bro. You know, because it just takes, it, like, if I want something, I want it like right away, yep. right? I don't want to wait. That's exactly. that's just personally me. I don't. I I I use like, I hate waiting. So. Mm-hmm. It's gonna cost me a hundred bucks more, by all means. That prime delivery. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so <laughs> prime, <laughs> prime delivery. But yeah, um, not Amazon Prime. This dude, prime delivery. Prime. Sponsor us. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Where was that? So yeah, so all all those people were flopping on me at the end of the at the, by the end of the week where I finally got to my house at like four or five a.m. After all that, yeah, I sold maybe like two, three in winter. So instead of selling twenty five, I sold what six or seven. Oh my. So I was like, I was in shambles. I was like, yo, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like I spent all this money, um, like almost nine, ten thousand $10,000, like me, split between me and my partner. Yeah. I was like, what if these don't sell? 
right? At the time, an another thing that, that made me uh, operate, like, like this thing had to be on a time crunch was because the need for it wasn't going to be as much anymore because yes. the gyms were slowly opening, opening back up. They had to make appointments, obviously, but they were, they were still opening back up. Um, and even, even when the gyms opened up, I was still making sales because the price point I had it at, uh, yes. $700, was still uh, like undercutting a lot of these companies. Like the people that did have it in stock were charging 800 plus tax plus shipping. So yeah. You're paying almost nine hundred to like, yeah, yeah nine hundred to a thousand dollars for something that you save three hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're gonna buy it definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So I kept I kept the posting active in London and Chatham, but I removed the one in Toronto because I was like, there's no way it's gonna be worth my time to go four hours there, four hours back. Yeah. Just to make a sale. So yeah, four four or five months in, I ended up I ended up selling all of them, which obviously wasn't the ideal situation, but alhamdulillah is good because like they, they did all they did them. like I made the profit I wanted and they did all end up. Uh, Selling even after the gyms were opening up, people were still buying them because it was such a good deal. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, what else did we say that you did? Uh, for um, okay, another question I want to ask you because I know I know you're really big on your networking skills and stuff right, like yeah. that, right? What would you recommend for people trying to build their network? Um, you know what they say: your network is your net worth. Definitely, right? 100%. And that's something that holds true both in a professional sense and like a business sense. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Just meeting the right people, having the right people in place when you need to get stuff done. Yeah. Uh, professionally, I would say LinkedIn helped me a lot. Yeah. You know, connecting with people in the same program who have been through your program, uh, people people that you just want to ask questions to. LinkedIn really helped me a lot. So building that portfolio, that e-portfolio, um, definitely helped a lot. And I still use it to this day, like trying, trying to make new connections, uh, reaching out to people after you do connect with them. Because sometimes if, if you're just connecting with someone and you don't say anything, yeah, then when you, you actually... You kind of like lose the connection. Yeah, exactly. So like I go, I introduce myself. Hey, I'm, I'm a student here. I'm in this club. Um, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my plan. Like, how are you? Definitely. You know what I mean? Just a, just a little icebreaker to get to know them. So you're not just another like number on a number, screen. Yeah, yeah. Something that I actually uh, I watched on a video on YouTube before was this guy. He said to you for your network, you always have to like keep the people that you're trying to keep in your network and like you got to talk to them every once in a while exactly, right yeah. even if it's like every year or every year like once or twice you still have to just remind them like you're still alive you know exactly, like you're yeah. still there right because there's going to come a time where you're going to need that help you're going to need something and you're going to message them it's like well you only actually message me when you need help bro exactly. right so yeah. when you say like hey how's your day or you remember their birthday you say happy birthday on their birthday or you you uh, you you like mm -hmm. anything good about them, or they just had a baby. They just posted to Facebook. They mm -hmm. had a baby. You reach out. You say, "Oh, congratulations on the baby!" Or "Congratulations, you just got married." Anything. You just got to keep that contact with them to keep them in your network. Because, like you said, mm -hmm. your network is a hundred percent your net worth. Exactly. You can get so much further having a lot a lot of connections in your life rather than trying to do everything on your own. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Because, like you said, if I'm trying to start a business right now and I want to learn about Alibaba. I know you and I know you have that experience, mm -hmm. right? I can come to you and ask you, hey, what's the ups and downs of doing this? Or how should I do this? Or how should I do this? Or mm -hmm. how can I get my business running this way? Or should I do it this way? Right? I know you. You can teach me. You can tell me all the information that you have. Or not even, maybe not all of it. You might just guide me in the right direction. But if I just try to do it all my own way, it would be so much harder for me. Like for you, if you didn't have that one mentor that tried to like tell you, yeah, like, exactly. You know, your life would have been like much more, like not much more harder, but like you would have 
probably hit a wall somewhere. Yeah, like maybe I would have figured it out, but he yeah. made the, the way, he paved the way for me. Like, he made it a lot easier. 100%. That's uh-huh. the thing about networks and stuff like that, right? For example, if, if you had a question about Alibaba and we haven't talked in three, four years, yeah, I might be reluctant to help you because it's like, yo, why does this guy just want my help exactly. when, like, when he needs something? Yeah. You know what I mean, why is he not checking up on me Definitely. like or, or keeping in touch for, Definitely. for other things? You know what I mean? Even, even your friends, like I was talking about LinkedIn in a professional sense. Mm-hmm. On a personal sense, like keep in touch with your friends, even people that you went to high school with that, that yeah. you haven't talked to in a while, like check up on them. Yeah. Even if you don't need anything from them, it means a lot. It means a lot. You know what I mean? Like I've had people check up on me. It's like, wow, like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, actually, they like, remembered me. You know, it's been a couple of years. It was good. You know what I mean? That inspires me yeah. to reach out to other people. 100%. You know what I mean? Even like, especially if you don't need anything. 100%. You know I mean? yeah. And then if you do, then you can ask. You know what I mean? Like if you start a business, those same people that you reached out to are going to repost your business. Yeah. You know what they're I mean? Gonna, even if it's not support your business, they're going to show you their, like their, uh, their support. They might even buy something from you. Exactly. They might report, repost your business, anything. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. And, uh, that's the thing. Like a lot of people, I feel like they take the aspect of networking so lightly and they like it's very mm-hmm. wrong. And mm-hmm. I, like, I feel like a lot of people like, this is the thing. I, I don't know how it is like with, uh, with, uh, the, the younger audience and stuff like that. But like, these guys, they um, they don't they don't learn this kind of stuff in school. Like they don't teach you networking and getting to know and yeah. meet meet new people and stuff like that. Because this is how it works. You go to high school, you're the same people that you went to grade school with, yep. right? Sometimes you, there's obviously going to be new people adding on to high school. But when you get into university, you're just thrown into a building or, or thrown into a schedule. Hey, you have this class this time. You have this class this mm-hmm. time, and then you don't have class for a couple hours. You don't know anyone there sometimes. Right yep. now, you have to go build your network, build your friends, build your people that you know. And then after university, these people that you you met and you got to know, they're a part of your network. You, you grow up, you grow older, you start a business. You need help from this guy. This guy becomes a CPA, for example. Now he mm-hmm. can be your CPA, yeah, right? Exactly. Or this guy does logistics and stuff like that. And your business has to do with uh, like anything like that, right? You need mm-hmm. you need shipping times. You need stuff like that. You need how your how your uh, like. You need like you need to know the logistics of your business. You need to know how things are going to be transported. There you go. You have another friend that does that. Your other friend, then you met another guy in accounting. Maybe this guy can help you out for a little bit. You know, maybe you can hire him eventually. Build something together. That's that. I feel like a lot of people they take networking so lightly, and mm-hmm. it's just so right. wrong. You know, that's just like my personal opinion, right? Yeah, and I agree hundred percent, man. Yeah, uh, especially especially your friends. Because right now we're at the age where we're all in school, we're all working towards different things, or maybe even the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially if you have friends in your program, they can help you out, tell you about you know pre- their previous experiences, give you advice. Um, if you have people that want to ask questions, for example, I have some some people that are first year engineering, they're asking me questions. You know I mean, I'm more than happy to help. Definitely. You know, if anyone asks me uh, about Alibaba, um, but any any of these side hustles or, or businesses that we talk about, like I'm more than happy to help because. Yeah. Like, people need that. You know what I mean? Like, no, uh, definitely. they need someone to help them out. A lot of people think they can just do everything on their own. 100%. It's wrong. Right? It's like to be one, to be like, think one way, one sided, where, you know what, I don't need anyone. I can do everything by myself. You're going to get nowhere, right? You you need you need people to help you. You need, you need like, it could be anything. Like, I, I, so, I, I all the time, anytime I have a question, I never, I'm never afraid. I'll always like take, take out my phone. Who did something similar to this? This guy. Let me let me hit him up. Let me talk to him. Let me see if he knows this thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's no shame in asking questions. Yeah, right? a lot of people are afraid to see what what like to what the other person is going to say. What's yeah. the worst they can say? No. What's the worst they can say? You know no. Exactly. I mean? Yeah. Like you post a TikTok. What's the worst someone can say? Oh, I don't like it. Okay, whatever. Exactly. They can scroll. You they know can scroll I mean? by. Like, they, they, uh, maybe like, what, are, what are you scared of? Yeah. You know what I mean? Go for it. Definitely, definitely. You gotta you gotta be a go getter. You gotta be someone mm-hmm. who wants to achieve stuff, right? If you want to achieve big things in life, you have to 
have a big mindset and you you this is something i actually like i read this a couple years ago and it actually like it actually changed the way i think if you want to achieve something and get something done or not 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 only achieve something but if you want to be successful in life right. your dreams have to be something that scare you mm, right okay because if you're not dreaming hard enough to get somewhere there's no motivation there's no discipline that's gonna be, you're not gonna be able to build that motivation or be disciplined enough to get that dream right i feel like every day people want to achieve these goals and do this do that do this but they don't want to put the time and they don't want to ha- have the discipline or they don't want to do that and the thing is like they dream so small or when they say their dream to someone like for example say i have like a really big goal and i come and tell you and then right. you basically like tell me yo your, your goal is actually stupid mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's like it's not your goal it's my goal yeah, who am i to tell you exactly that? right so if i wasn't like i the thing is if someone tells my goals is dumb i'm like you know what i'm gonna dream even harder i'm gonna make it even i'm gonna think something even like much like i don't even know how to say it you know what i'm saying like like at the end of the day what i'm trying to say is like your dreams need to scare you for you to be able to like do something better it's the same thing with everything like investments yeah business um you know anything in life if you're going in there with like playing it safe like a hundred percent success rate yeah then it's like you're not really challenging yourself and you might not get that far Definitely. You know what I mean? Uh, with business, like there's always a risk of it failing. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I went into pressure washing thinking, yeah, it's 100% going to work, then I might not be as driven and as motivated to knock on that door and get that sale. Yeah. Or, you know, I message this person and sell them that power act. It's all about the rush of doing it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, did, you, did you only like flip stuff like that on uh, Facebook Marketplace or did you flip other items? Like for me, I used mm-hmm. to do a lot of like... Uh, uh, my big thing was I used to do like um, old video games, new mm-hmm. video games, not only video games. I did a lot of consoles, a lot of like computer parts. Is there like, did you do a lot of any, any other kind of flipping? Uh, well, the majority of it was weights yeah. because that like, that was my expertise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once I, once I built that, um, that expertise, I'd go on Kijiji and I can tell you, like, yo, if you buy it for 150 tomorrow, you can sell it for 300. Yeah. Or if you buy something for, if you buy this for like 135. Okay, this bench doesn't have a leg extension. The value goes down, or it's missing this, or it's missing that. Mm-hmm. I did it so many times that I could just look at an ad and tell you like, exactly how much money you're gonna make off it. Definitely. You know what I mean? So I, I stick to my expertise and the fact that I was I was building that business. Um, now I, I didn't really stray out of my lane that much. I did I did a console once. I, like I flipped a pair of shoes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was, but those were all like one-time things that okay, I just wanted I mean, to try out. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I tried a lot of things in the past. Um, and my, my mentality was, I don't know if, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but to try not everything, but try a lot, see which ones are easiest to scale hundred percent, and go from there. No, definitely. I definitely um, agree with you on that because you'll never know if something's going to work unless you try it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, another thing would be to just like take all your effort and put it into one thing, uh, which is something that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, you sh- if you have one business that you're focusing on, you should like, that should be your main focus. But if you don't know exactly what you want to do. Then you can split your energy into different things and see mm-hmm. which one's easiest to scale, like I said. And then, okay, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think the the phrase "a jack of all trades and a master of none" like would you say that's accurate? Like a if you do too many things, trade. like like you, you don't you haven't mastered a single one of them, so you're technically like. Yeah. No. Definitely. If you if you try to master too many things and you literally can't do any of it, like it's a waste of time. Like I I'd rather have you like I'd rather I'd rather do master one thing mm-hmm. once I master that one thing slowly ease off into moving to something else but making sure i can still do the first thing right and if i need something else done like i'd rather like 
if I know I can't do it properly, I'd hire someone else to do it or do some do it, get my way around it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna try to like uh, cut corners and do uh, like try to learn as many things as I possibly can if I can't even master one of them, right? Exactly. Yeah, and and I agree with you. Uh, just based on the fact that in my previous experiences, like I've tried things like, for example, landscaping. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the summer. If, like I, because I was doing that with so many other things, I don't even know if that business could have been successful because I didn't give it the time that it needed. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? But once you, once you do your research and give the business that time that it needs, then you'll really be able to tell, yo, is this something that I can scale? Or is yeah. this something that, you know, maybe I should try something else. Definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. So... What is something that you wish you would have learned earlier in life that would have maybe made something easier for you? Um, I wouldn't say, because hindsight's always twenty twenty. Definitely. Right? You look back on your experiences, oh, I wish I would have done this, I wish I would have done that. Mm-hmm. So I don't really live in regret of anything of anything that um, that I've done. But one thing I wish I knew, um, uh, it's a tough one, man. <laughs> no, it is. Definitely, it's a tough question. Because there's a lot of things to narrow down to just one, I would say know who to do business with 100 percent. you know what i mean a, a lot of the times people they do business with their friends just because yes. they're just because they're boys yes, yes you know what i mean because i had a lot of people when they when they saw me with the shipment they walk into my garage they see all these power racks like yo what are you doing mm-hmm. like i'll explain the situation to them they're like yo uh come in on the come in on the deal or yo next shipment let me know what are you bringing to the table exactly you bro know? exactly just because you're boys it doesn't mean that you have to be business partners as well you have to separate the two Personally, I like to do something where I uh, one of my one of my good friends, his name is Eunice. He told me this one thing, and I'll always go by it. Mm. It's uh, business and friendships stay away because if once you bring them together, you can ruin your friendships. Right? Mm-hmm. A business and a friend, a friendship, you can you can see to get you could think together like, yo, you know what? Together, maybe we might be able to do something great. Yes, you might be able to do something great. But then a problem arises and you ruin your friendship and you lose yeah. that friendship is it's not worth the money. It's not worth the time. It's not worth it. It doesn't matter what the heck you're doing. It's not worth it. Right. That's what I live by. That's something I always do. If I ever want to start a business, I stay away from from friends. Yeah. You know? I would. I mean, I wouldn't just have that as a rule 100 percent because I have had success in doing both. Sometimes I do. For with example, friends, with, but like with, it depends. Very, very, very little depends. Yeah. Like with me and Joad. When we were doing the pressure washing, we found a lot of success with it because everyone is pulling their own weight. Yeah, example, as long as they bring something to the table and they exactly. can pull their own weight and they can do something, 100%. Exactly. For example, like I'll, I'll buy the surface cleaner. He'll look into good pressure washers. Mm-hmm. I'll make the shirts. He'll do the business cards. I'll do the flaggers. And we're door knocking. We're door knocking together. Yeah. So as long as everyone's pulling their weight and it doesn't feel like it's just one person carrying everything, 100%. then it would work. Other times, I've had, I've had experiences where um, it's just me doing all the work or it's just someone else doing all the work. And then when it's your friend, like, you know, yeah. Sometimes, like, you don't tell them what they need to hear. Definitely, um, definitely. Because, like, because you, you feel like you have a little bit of a spot, soft spot towards your friends, and you like, you don't want to ruin anything. You want to keep it like, yo, I don't want to make this guy sad or upset from me, so I'm just gonna like let it be. Yeah, know? exactly. And then over time, you start to regret, like, yo, I, I should have never done this, right? I should have moved on to something else. But, it's definitely good. Something that for me personally that I wish I would have learned earlier in life is, uh, I would have loved to like just. Do more, try more, Ooh, you know, that's a good one. Yeah, because 100%. you will never, ever, ever realize how much like you could, like I said earlier in the video, earlier in the, like the earlier today, I said, you can't do, um, you, no matter how much you try or how much you try to learn something, you can watch a hundred thousand videos. You can watch, read 10 books, 20 books, a hundred books mm-hmm. does not matter. You will not know how to do it until you try it. Exactly, man. You know, exactly. 
And a lot of the times, people spend months and months and months researching on something that, yeah, that research is useful. But if you just spent one month instead of three months and those other two months you spent actually out there on the field, like knocking on doors or trying it out, uh, you know, making postings on, on Marketplace, on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, trying trying to open a Shopify store. Definitely. Um, a lot of the people, they tell me, yeah, uh, Marlene, I want to do dropshipping, man. Like, I personally don't have experience with it. Yeah. But they would tell me, yeah. I'm like, okay, go for it. Go for it. Like, no, nah, man, I got to do research, man. I got I to gotta make sure for a year. I got to sit down for a year and actually do research. I have to make sure it works. I was like, you don't have to make sure anything no, works. You know what I mean? Nothing is proven, bro. Nothing like, is guaranteed. Nothing exactly. is guaranteed. You yeah. could literally make a million dollars tomorrow if you tried it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's not luck, but it's hard work, dedication, learning, trying, failing. If you don't fail, if you fail to prepare, then you are going, you're literally going to fail, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, prepare to a certain amount while yeah. you're still ad- adapting. And when you're learning, the only way to actually like take it in and like get it in your head, you got to try it. Yeah, you gotta. I, I something I do is I learn by doing, bro. Like I gotta do something to learn how to get the like, get it in here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not saying don't uh, don't do research, guys. Yeah, don't we're saying, like we're not saying you skip the research. Do your research, do your stuff, but you gotta while you do the research, you gotta attempt it too. Mm-hmm. Experience is the best teacher. That's hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, so as long as you have the experience, um, you learn a lot more from experience than you do from just doing the research. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, um. It was a pleasure having you on the show, bro. I really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you having well, me. I, it was an awesome. Uh, I learned a lot from you today, and it was awesome to hear about your stories and your experiences. And um, I will be linking his socials in the description. And uh, just a reminder, guys, we are actually on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and a lot of other podcast players. If you find a podcast player we are not on, just let us know down in the description, and we will fix that for you guys. We'll do our best to get it on there. And make sure you guys smash that like button, press that subscribe button, and push the push push the push notification button. And uh, thank you for tuning in today. Peace. Thank you guys.